0: Well, chapter sixteen of the confession we've been looking at of good works. Again, we think through the the confession and the the, the thought the, the flow of thought. Um, it's important again that we're not looking to the confession for truth; we're looking to Scripture for truth. As we are looking to Scripture for truth, um, the confession brings a synthesis that's helpful for us to walk through in a, in a thoughtful way. Where we begin with God, we understand who God is, where his word, how he has been revealed, and therefore we understand who we are, our need for salvation. So we understand who God is, our need, then what is salvation? What is the election? What is predestination? What is um, the work of the Spirit to call? What is the general call and the special call? And as it brings us to that point, we understand that salvation is that work of God, and that sanctification is God's continuing work. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, will continue that work until its ends. And we come to of good works. Again, the context from which this was written, uh, the London Baptist Confession of 1689, you're talking a little over 150 years after the beginning of the Reformation still many battles being fought over justification by faith alone, by grace alone. And again, we live in a society much like that, where we can say that salvation is by grace. We can say that salvation is by faith. But when you say grace alone, faith alone, to the glory of God alone, that fifth sola. As I was preparing a I thought it was helpful as I just went back and I read through the whole, um, the whole chapter. And uh, you might think, oh, that's a ways back. But I want you to see the, the flow of thought here, even in this paragraph, to relay some of those foundations that we've seen in Scripture revealed here. So look at, on the screen uh, with me as we uh, I'll read it out. Good works are only such as God has commanded in His holy word. And not such as, without the warrant thereof, are devised by men out of blind zeal, or upon any pretense of good intentions. These good works, done in obedience to God's commands, are the first fruits. Excuse me. Are the fruits? I, my brain was still on uh, uh, the sermon this morning. The first fruits um, are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith, and by them believers manifest their thankfulness. "...strengthen their assurance, edify their brethren, adorn the profession of the gospel, stop the mouths of the adversaries, and glory God, whose workmanship they are, created in Christ Jesus thereunto, that having their fruit unto holiness, they may have the end eternal life. Their ability to do good works is not at all of themselves, but wholly from the Spirit of Christ, and that they may be enabled thereunto besides the graces they have already received there is a ne- there is necessary and actual influence of the same holy spirit to work in them to will and to do of his good pleasure yet are they not hereupon to excuse me yet are they not hereupon to grow negligent as if they were not bound to perform any duty unless upon a special motion of the Spirit, but they ought to be diligent in stirring up the grace of God that is in them. They who in their obedience attain to the greatest height which is, which is possible in this life are so far from being able to supererogate and to do more than God requires, as that they fall short of much which in duty they are bound to do. And here's our two paragraphs for this evening. We cannot by our best works merit pardon of sin or eternal life at the hand of God by reason of the great disproportion that is between them and the glory to come and the infinite distance that is between us and God, whom by them we can neither profit nor satisfy for the debt of our former sins. But when we have done all we can, we have done but our duty and are unprofitable servants. And because they are good, they proceed from His Spirit. And as they are wrought by us, they are defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection that they cannot endure the severity of God's punishment. Yet, notwithstanding the persons of believers being accepted through Christ, their good works also are accepted in Him. Not as though they were in this life wholly unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight but that he looking upon them in his son is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere although accompanied with many weaknesses and imperfection we tackle a lot there but we we began a few weeks ago and I I bring it back up these last two weeks What is the definition of good works? And I have to admit, I added something to it and just kind of continuing to study. we had been talking about what is a good work? All actions done by faith in obedience to God's commands. That's where we had stopped. But even just looking ahead to next week, it's important to realize that it's done. What's the purpose of it? For the glory of God. So there's kind of four pieces, and I'll give them to you. They're done by faith. In obedience to God's commands and according to God's commands. So that's two and three. How God says to do what God says. How God says with a heart of faith for God's glory. That's kind of the four pieces if you want to say the definition of a good work. A.A. Hodge said this. The Holy Spirit implants a permanently holy principle or habit in the soul. Which ever continues to germ or seed. From which all gracious affections and holy exercises do proceed. We're going to see that truth come to bear in just a moment. But think about where we've been walking through scripture. That we're called to do good works. That the the Holy Spirit has given us the ability to do those good works. And as we're doing those good works. One of the greatest sins we battle is the sin of pride. And, And the confession kind of helps us. Remember our place. Lest we become puffed up and prideful thinking we accomplished these good works. We realize, okay, yes, it doesn't earn me favor with God, but yet we can even take pride in accomplishing them. We're reminded in Romans chapter 3 verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Again, how the, the, the paragraph 5 uh, states that our works cannot endure the severity of God's punishment, the, ju- the judgment. As Psalm 143 verse 2 says, Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. And we recognize sometimes that truth when it comes to salvation, but even in our sanctification, we must remain humble. To not think that we get to accomplish these things in our own power. And there's four things that, that the, the, um, paragraph five kind of points out. Why are our works, why can they not merit us anything? First of all, because of the distance. And kids, if you have your notes, that's that word there, the distance. Well, the distance between God and us and us in heaven. Lest we forget that God is just kind of greater than us. No. God is so far removed. We've seen that even just recently in our Behold Your God study. The, the transcendence of God, that he is not a God who is like us. He is so far apart. That between us and God is not anything that we can accomplish in our own strength. It is too far to even be measured. But also notice that it shows the distance between us and God and us in heaven. Sam Waldron put it this way, that it's disproportionate to the reward. That all of our good works are nothing in compared to the reward that we would receive. Lest we think that, okay, I did this, therefore I earned this. In God's economy, we do nothing and we receive everything. What an amazing picture of God's grace. So our, our works don't merit us anything Pardon of sin or eternal life because of the distance, but secondly, because good works are our duty. Good works are our duty. They are what God has commanded. Micah 6 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We need to recognize the first half of that verse. What does the Lord require of us? What is he looking for? What does he expect from us? The works that flow. And just as if we are a, a worker. Working for a, a boss. Looking for some reward. And our boss looks at us and says. You're doing just what you were told to do. We, we must remain in that attitude of Humility. Whereas the disciples said, "We're only, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, that we we have done all we can. We have only done our duty. We are unprofitable servants." And you may think, "Well, that's kind of a negative way to view ourselves." No, it's not a negative way. It's a humble way. They're not putting themselves down. They're recognizing their humble position. There's a difference between um, throwing, like, forcing ourselves down to a lower level. But actually, in God's sight, we're just recognizing when we say we're just unprofitable servants. So first of all, the distance. Second of all, the duty. I was trying to think of another D, but it didn't fit. Um, Number three, we can't do them. We don't do them in our own ability. Our good works, again, like paragraph three states, are done because the Holy Spirit allowed us, gave us that ability to do it. And so how can we take for granted something that we didn't even do? Does that make sense? But our heart of pride wants to claim it. See, God, look at all these great works that I'm doing for you. And yet, God, from his perspective, can look at us and say, wait, actually, I'm the one who's given you the ability to do anything you do. And so he is the one deserving. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we've read it multiple times, but for by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared but beforehand that we should walk in them. All that we have done and all that we receive is not of ourselves. It is that work that he has done. And in the end, even when the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do good works... We mess it up. We defile it by our weaknesses. We defile it with our imperfections. And so those four things, how can we not, uh, how, how are our works not meritorious? Because we defile them because at the root is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us. The distance between us and God and we're just doing our duty. Again, this doesn't take away the, the picture of adoption that we see. And we could say, wow, again, this is so negative, but yet we see all of these truths and how they are together. How God loves his children. He calls us his sons and daughters. But paragraph five then finishes, and we see paragraph six a yet. So even in the paragraphs, there's a there's a a contrast because there is an aspect of our good works that our good works are accepted by God, the father. They don't earn us merit, but they're accepted by God, the father in how again, they they have their root by the power of the spirit, but they're accepted through Christ. Again, a good work includes these things doing what God has commanded in the way he has commanded for his glory from an attitude of faith. Those four pieces. And how can we do any good work? It begins with our heart. For out of the overflow, the heart speaks. For out of our, um, our, our heart, we act upon our nature. So it begins, we're enabled through the Holy Spirit but because we're enabled through the Holy Spirit, we are then accepted through Christ. Even our good works, God does not look upon our works. He looks upon Christ's work. Through his obedience, our works are accepted, those things that which are good. Romans 10, verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We bring our good works to the Father. And only that which endures is that which he looks upon in the work of Christ. That Christ, not just in his atonement, but in his life, in the full keeping of the law. For he is the end of the law for righteousness, because he fulfilled the law in Matthew 5. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to perfectly keep it. So that those who are his children receive that obedience before God the Father. And somehow... In the amazing economy of God, we are rewarded with grace. Notice the words at the end of paragraph 6. Um, that In God's sight, he looking upon them in his son is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere. Let us not be afraid of rewards when we have a, a good sound theology. We, we do need to see where scripture speaks of the rewards. But it is all rooted in the power of God for us to accomplish anything. It is not accepted on our behalf, but of Christ. And yet, God who doesn't have to give us anything because the Spirit enabled us and it's accepted by Christ. Yet the Father still gives us grace. He blesses us. Notice, often we read the first half of this verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Notice it says, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What's a good work start with? The heart of faith. We see that fleshed out through the book of Hebrews. That all work is done in faith. Faith. And God accepts it in spite, although, the end of verse, paragraph 6, excuse me, although accompanied with many weaknesses and imperfections. Therefore, when we stand before God the Father, it's like Jesus was telling the parable in Matthew 25, and his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Notice, good and faithful, what? Servant. Entrusted, enabled, accomplished through. As John Piper said, when you have Christ, you also have everything God promised through him. So all that we can accomplish is by the power of the Spirit, through the work of the Son, and yet God the Father richly blesses us. Who are we to think that we deserve anything? But yet, as paragraph three says, let us not become negligent, but to do good works. I just want to close. One of my, one of my kids is working on memorizing this and was saying it to me today and just very applicable. Uh, James chapter two. Verse 14 and following, what does it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works Faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Taking this into the context that we've been looking at, faith and works, both of those are a gift of God. The faith is a gift, and the ability to do the works as a response is a gift of God. So it is all to His glory, and we praise Him for all that He accomplishes through us. But the attitude, again, that we're, I think, really challenged with in these last two paragraphs. Do we have the heart of humility not to take credit for anything? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the reminder. And uh, I stand amazed how uh, you, you are not obligated to save anyone. Yet in your your righteous justice, uh, you provided a way of salvation. And sending Christ to come to this earth. To accomplish what we cannot accomplish through his works. And Lord, our salvation and at the root our sanctification is is nothing that we can accomplish in our own strength. And yet, you bless us with the gifts. Lord, what an amazing God you are. Lord, I, I pray that we would be a people who are stirring up the good works. Lord, again, not to earn our salvation, not to earn more favor in your sight, but Lord, to look to you and to give you praise and honor for what you're doing in our life. And as a result, we pray that the world around us would see our good works and glorify you, our Father, who is in heaven. To that end, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.